0: This hour of the Casa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables.
1: Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome members of our armed forces who are joining in from remote outposts today, and also new listeners on radio affiliates in Texas, Ohio, Florida, New York, Colorado, and from coast to coast in all 50 states, including the pristine shores of Hawaii. Thank you for making us part of your news week. Today, we're going to break from our usual format to speak to two advocates who have a lot to say about the future of the United States, one from the perspective of the ground level and the other from the top down. During the first half of the hour, we'll be speaking to consumer and environmental advocate and the woman to whom Julia Roberts owes her Academy Award, Miss Erin Brockovich. Then, during the second half of the program, we'll hear from none other than DNC chairperson Miss Debbie Wasserman Schultz herself. You would look long and hard to find two individuals more committed to changing America's future. So tune up your volume because we're about to learn a lot about setting priorities and getting the nation's important business done. During uh, during the first hour, we're going to talk to Erin Brockovich, the woman behind the largest settlement ever paid in a direct action lawsuit in U.S. history against PG&E, a case memorialized in the movie Erin Brockovich, and caused her life's work to pivot in an entirely new direction. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report, Ms. Erin Brockovich. Thank you for joining us today, Ms. Brockovich. Hi,
2: thanks for having me. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, and I, I understand you are ping ponging all across the country.
2: <laughs> I am. We, you know, we've got a lot of, you know, water issues that we chase all over this country. I'm currently in New York, so we do keep busy.
1: Now, I heard something about an auction that was coming up where you're uh, helping to raise funds for the victims of the Flint water fiasco. Is that right?
2: Yes, it, it is. It, it's being put on by a charity buzz and it's benefiting community foundation of greater Flint. And it, it's a great cause. You know, I, I've said so many times and I will continue. I mean, the Flint has really opened our eyes again. You know, when we did the movie in Hinkley, that opened our eyes and we didn't really think that it would be in anyone else's backyard and Flint has really opened our eyes that this issue is in everyone's backyard and they were a, a community that had everything against them. And they have done such an amazing job stepping up and using their voices to get attention. And they continue to need help. So it's a, it's a great luncheon. And it would be um, charitybuzz.com. It's help support hashtag Flint at greater Flint bid on charity at charity buzz. And that's, I know that's a long one, but um, we'll have lunch for three. Uh, Who knows? You know what? We're going to fly by the seat of our pants, have lunch, and we may go run and chase another new water situation. And they can be right there and hands-on with us as we do that. So it's to benefit Flint, and it is a great cause.
1: Now, you've been advocating for the underdog in cases involving dangerous environmental hazards, product liability cases, and you've even taken on the FDA. So, uh, in your view, has government oversight improved? Has it deteriorated, or has it remained the same since you got started in the 90s?
2: That's an excellent question. Uh, When I uh, got started in the 90s, for me, it was really looking at a local level of how the state and a giant utility was able to dispose of its hazardous waste into the ground, leach into the aquifer, contaminate everyone's wells, and no one from the state knew. So at that entry level, I began to question oversight. I would have to tell you now that I think I've been doing this for 25 years, dare I date myself that the oversight has gotten laxer I, I definitely get frustrated with the EPA and, and you know this is a well-meaning agency they are overburdened they are understaffed and they've been neutered if you will and they have no funds and they cannot get out there and protect our water because they oversee the Safe Drinking Water Act and therefore they have little to no oversight and or enforcement so I have not seen the issue in my opinion, being somebody on the ground, working with these communities time and time and time again, seeing these issues that we could possibly say that in any way we have improved our oversight.
1: And so your feeling is it's gotten considerably worse since the 90s in terms of staffing, funding, and commitment.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we... You know, you. I was listening to your opening and you said something so interesting, you know, coming from the top down. And really, I see it the reverse. Uh, and we don't listen to what's happening to the ground troops, if you will. Those that are in these communities or forgotten communities or water agencies that, that have mismanaged funds or don't have the funds. And all the issues that are popping up across this country and what I do see happening is people are waking up, in my opinion, to what has been a false sense of security, that somebody is overseeing all these issues. And more often than not, they're absent. You know, my tagline is Superman's not coming. So tag were it. And you are seeing the voice of the people happening right now. And I I am very encouraged by this. I'm very inspired by it. I think that we're watching it in this current presidential campaign. There is a division. People are frustrated. And they're finally coming out and waking up from this false sense of security that somebody is overseeing us. And we're realizing that's not happening. And we're using our voices to make change.
1: Well, that's something you certainly demonstrated was possible and effective in the 1990s. And, uh, you know, you kind of wonder why it took people so long to wake up to the fact that they can't necessarily depend on the government for something as basic as clean water. Uh, But as you point out, this example in Flint, Michigan, has certainly woken people up. Give us another example of a current case. I I saw something about a uh, river turning yellow in Kentucky Recently, And I was was amazed that uh, they had done some, the EPA had done some tests and was trying to convince people that it was perfectly uh, safe to drink the water.
2: Well, you know, uh, that's a source of frustration for people because uh, they'll challenge anybody from one of those agencies. You come out here and drink the yellow water and the green water after our animals have drank from that river and they have died. That's, that's a bad message to send. People are really using their common sense. This facility, they're downriver of a big fracking operation. And this is just known. I, I, I guess I shouldn't say it's just known, but it is certainly to us. Again, going back to the conversation of no oversight. I mean, the EPA has 33,000 Superfund sites they can't get to now. I mean, we have situations you want to talk about Flint. There's about 100 other cities right now who have lead issues. I was doing an interview today with ABC, and one of the cameramen got a notice from the school that they were shutting down the water because they had to check for lead. They were afraid that they had found it. So this is an ongoing problem. And when you have a situation like that in the river, I do not understand why we don't listen to the very people who are actually the very guinea pigs who are being exposed to red water, green water, yellow water, uh, and they're, they get sick. I grew up in Kansas, Lawrence, Kansas, in the, in the heart of America, and I was taught common sense, and I was taught the value of public health and welfare. And in every single case that I've been involved in, and there's been many, it starts with the situation with why is our water green? Everybody told me I was crazy in Hinckley. But all I had to rely on was, wow, you know, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, Toto. It can't be the standard that our water is green and our frogs have two heads. <laughs> it,
1: it You know, on? when I'm listening to you, it sounds so obvious. And yet, uh, even with empirical evidence like that, we don't have agencies that feel compelled to act. And that is the real crisis. Now, we have to take a scheduled break, but stay right where you are. We'll be right back with more from Aaron Brockovich. You're listening to The Costa Report. Mm-hmm. Caraccioli Cellars recently celebrated the fifth anniversary of their tasting room. This is what Enophiles had to say.
3: Anna Russell, I love Caraccioli wine because I
4: love the San Lucia Highlands, and I think this is a particularly great representation of what SLH can do that's different, um, using the most common grapes, Pinot and Chardonnay, and making something really beautiful and different in the area. I love the wine, so I always come back
3: to almost every one of their events. My name is Jenny Franklin. I like it because it's very flavorful. It just is a good Pinot. It goes down without touching any sides. It's
0: very good. Full of lace. I really like the Brut Rose. I like the older varietals, too. I think it's just the way they manufacture it. The way that it, uh, they produce it is old-world style, and I enjoy that.
1: Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel-by-the-Sea or find us online at CaraccioliCellars.com or reach us by phone at 831-622-7722.
3: Imagine hearing the words, Your child has cancer. The emotional impact is staggering. They tell you that treatment may last for years and you travel the long road between hospital and home. Your financial worries multiply and you want to stay strong for everyone, especially your child. But nobody understands. Your friends and family don't get it. Where do you turn? For the last 18 years, Jacob's Heart has provided essential support to families enduring the unimaginable. We have been there from the time of diagnosis all the way through the course of treatment, regardless of the outcome. With no government funding and no reimbursement for services, Jacobs Heart relies 100% on support from our community to make miracles happen for families. Please support Jacobs Heart by going to our website, jacobsheart.org, or call us at 831-724-9100. Make a difference in the life of a child. Thank you.
5: Hi, Registered Pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years. And what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. Known as neurotransmitters with names like dopamine, serotonin, noradrenaline, and GABA, one of the most important of the neurotransmitters is a substance called acetylcholine. It's recognized for its relaxing effects. Acetylcholine actions are involved in calming the body down, opening blood vessels, stimulating secretion of digestive juices, and enhancing the movement of food through the digestive tract. It may have mild antisuppressant effects, and it can enhance libido and sexuality. And acetylcholine also has a heart-slowing effect. But of all the important functions of acetylcholine, none is more important than its beneficial effects on the activity of the intellectual and learning centers of the brain. Deficiencies or defects in acetylcholine processing are associated with anxiety, insomnia, learning disability, dementias, Parkinson's disease, palsies and other movement disorders as well as schizophrenia. Make sure you're getting enough of the underappreciated nutrient choline. Choline, the newest nutrient to be included in the list of essential substances, choline is a precursor to acetylcholine and it's readily available in supplements. It's also a good idea to eat lots of choline-containing foods, including egg yolks, dairy, broccoli, chard, and organ meats. Lecithin granules, readily available in health food stores, are also especially effective as a source of choline. Pharmacist Ben here urging you to go to KSCOhealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at KSCOhealth.com. That's KSCOhealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to KSCOhealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos too. At kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com.
1: Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is consumer and environmental advocate, Ms. Erin Brockovich. And before the break, we were talking about the need for greater government oversight, especially of the environmental laws that we already have in place. Now, in addition to water and air pollution and other environmental issues, you've been quite vocal about the FDA, even going so far as claiming that the FDA has, quote, let women down. Tell us what you mean by that.
2: Well, you know, uh, I I think you're probably talking about the ESHUR procedure where tens of thousands of women have had the procedure done and many reports were submitted to the FDA. And what we're starting to find out from the inside out is many of the adverse events that are reported, if the appropriate boxes aren't checked, then that report can get overlooked and categorized somewhere else. And then at that point we could be missing a significant, whether it be a death or a fetal death, and those numbers aren't being recorded. And that is a critical mistake for us to make. And so one thing that we are criticizing and we're looking at within the FDA is not being updated or enough oversight on what type of computer systems and programming that they are using in order to capture all of the data that doctors and or the manufacturer or the consumer themselves are reporting to them.
1: What I found interesting was something that you pointed to called pre-market approval by the FDA, which effectively shields the manufacturer from product liability litigation. Is that right?
2: That is right, and I'm so glad you brought this up, and this is one of the first things when the the women who had been harmed by Esher, and again, another moment where collective voices are actually making change, getting noticed, and we're never going to find solutions to our issues until we start identifying exactly what they are, and when they first came to me, they, of course, asked about legal recourse, of which there is none, because it's a Supreme Court decision basically began with Medtronics and it's just gotten a broad stroke of the brush, if you will, that these companies, when they apply with the FDA, they have to go through a series of tests and they can get what's called pre-market approval, which means once the product's out on the market and we find out eight years later that uh-oh moment where there is a problem and we could have thousands of consumers harmed there is no legal recourse because so the, the
1: consumer can't do France. anything in other words, if the FDA puts a pro- allows a company to put a product out there that actually harms people and it's been demonstrated it's harming people, the, there is no legal recourse against that company if they have pre-market approval by the FDA is that do I have that right because' I'm I'm, I'm astounded.
2: You do. I have it right. And most people are astounded. I mean, like our generic drugs are preempted. So if we had a manufacturing problem and a thousand children were harmed, they're barred from any legal recourse. And and this certainly upset the group of these sure women. It's upset us. It's certainly upset our right to legal recourse and the attorneys very much so. Now, on the issue of sure, we had a small winning that opened a slight little door to challenge preemption. And otherwise, if you can't prove total fraud on the manufacturer's part, it's preempted and uh, there's no recourse. Wow! Wow!
1: That is uh, that I found that to be shocking, and I was not aware of that until I started doing some preparation for this interview. Mm-hmm. Now. I uh, there there, but for the most part, there seem to be a number of laws that protect the consumer, and this is where I think I I have a lot of conflict. I see that there are some laws like this pre-market approval, which shut the consumer out even when they're damaged, and then there are laws designed to protect the consumer, but we're not we have no oversight, and we're not enforcing them, and both ways <laughs> the consumer is damaged.
2: Correct. That is absolutely precisely correct. And that is why I think we're seeing what's happening across the country today. The consumers are waking up to these issues and they're going, wait a minute. At some level, our choices or our right to know what has happened escapes us. And they are really furious about it. And we do. We have lack of oversight we have lack of funding, we are on the brink, if not completely into a water crisis, and then we have, when it comes to medical devices and the trust, and and we have some things getting ready to come up that are very disturbing with medical devices and association with water, or if it's cleaned with tap water, or if we have an outbreak of bacteria, there are cracks in the system. There's plenty of blame to go around, but I don't want us to get into that blame game. What I really want us is to stop politicizing our health and our right to clean water. And for me, whether you're Republican or Democrat, rich, poor, no matter the color of your skin, industry, corporate America, this is all of our issues. This is our water, which should be the most priority that we have. Our health depends on it. We are not disconnected from the environment. And water and the environment even helps sustain our economy. If we don't get together and change our antiquated thinking, <coughs> we're not going to be sustainable moving forward. Well,
1: that's right. And, you know, I'm, an, I'm a political independent, so I see room for improvement on both sides of the aisle. From my perspective, the number one job of the government is to protect its citizens. And we seem to be thinking protection only in terms of terrorism. Uh, but, but, you know, protection means protecting water, protecting the food that we eat, protecting the Correct. products that we're allowed to use. I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm not for big government. But I don't think you have to have big government if you can prioritize protection at the top of the list.
2: I I completely agree. And in the beginning of the conversation, I don't think it trickles down. Uh, That effect hasn't been too good. But on the flip side, when we mobilize communities who now are educated, informed, and aware, and they're frustrated by everything that you and I have just discussed, at a very in-their-backyard, local level, getting to city council, where these things become permitted, where oversight fails, they are involved, and That's right. then we see some change.
1: If oversight fails, you've got to take it into your own hands. Well, I am afraid we are all out of time, but before we say goodbye, let me thank you for looking out for all of us, <laughs> and uh, I hope that you will come back and see us again soon. Thank you, Ms. Brock- Brockovich. Give us the uh, the auction uh, website okay. one more time it's, before you leave.
2: It's kind of, uh, it's uh, help, support, Hashtag Flint at C. <clears throat> excuse me, is an F is in Frank Greater Flint bid at Charity Buzz.
1: Okay, and folks, uh, <laughs> what's up for auction is a one-hour lunch with Erin Brockovich herself. So uh, all of the listeners that are listening today, go on that website and start bidding. Get You know what? Get a bunch of you together and start bidding on this. It's for a good cause. All of the money will go to help the legal defense and, and to help the folks out in Flint, Michigan. I know all of you listening today care about that. So go to that website and start bidding. Thank you again, Miss Brockovich. We'll see you again soon. Thanks
2: so much. It was wonderful. Thank Next you. up, DNC
1: Chair, Miss Debbie Waller. Wasserman Schultz, stay tuned. You're listening to the Costa Report.
6: Hi, this is Pete Christensen. Enriching lives through music for 22 years, come to Pacific Voices Spring Concerts on Saturday, May 14th at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday, May 15th at 3.30 p.m. at Holy Cross Church in Santa Cruz. Enjoy a truly moving experience of contemporary and traditional choral music from around the world. For ticket information, please go to pacificvoices.org. Thank you.
7: Care from the Heart is a dedicated and professional home health care agency that's been serving families in the Tri-County, Monterey Bay area for over 18 years. We help our clients and their families handle health challenges with determination, love, and humor. When you work with Care from the Heart, we provide assistance with the utmost respect. Your team will consist of nurses, case managers, and home care specialists who will listen and you will design a flexible program to fit your specific needs, either short-term or long-term. You might need help with medication, personal hygiene, meal preparation, transportation, companionship, household chores, or pet care. We can even help you with the dreaded insurance paperwork. If the time has come when you must step into the role of caregiver for a family member, naturally you'll have questions and concerns. Care from the Heart offers classes that provide specific information and skills you'll need to become the positive and supportive influence your family member deserves. And we protect against caregiver burnout by offering periodic respite care for you. Whatever your individual situation, now or in the future, help is available. For a complimentary consultation, call us at 831-476-8316. We can come to you or you are welcome to visit our office in Santa Cruz near Dominican Hospital. Our website is carefromtheheart.net.
6: Have you noticed that food just doesn't taste good anymore? Why is that? If you eat food, you'll want to know this. Our fruits, grains, and vegetables contain less and less nutrition every year. Chances are even your organic plants don't have anywhere near the 70-plus minerals that make a plant healthy and delicious. Listen up, home gardeners, farmers, growers, and lovers of good food. This is Andy Anderson telling you that you can go beyond organic. Perk up your plants and revitalize your fields with blooming minerals from Longevity. This marvelous soil conditioner will re mineralize your soil with up to 76 organically bound earth elements. That means healthier and better looking crops that resist bugs, mold, cold and other nasties that can wipe you out. Commercial farmers are reporting faster growth, more yield and higher Brix scores. That means better tasting food for you and me. Get Bloomin' Minerals in powder and liquid form from a spray bottle for houseplants to 55 gallon drums for professional growers. Call us now to order toll free 888 245 That's 888 245 d mm-hmm.
1: Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and today we're talking about the future of the United States from the perspective of the person on the street, and also in terms of our leaders in Washington, D.C., and we have the pleasure of having DNC Chair and United States Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz join us. Welcome to the program, Ms. Schultz. Thank you, Rebecca. Great to be with you. Before we get started, uh, I wasn't going to do this, but I have to. Uh, I, I, I want to take a moment to apologize to you. Uh, for how the media has been treating you and the candidates during this primary season. Uh, Look, I I realize that you have to have thick skin to be in this business, but that does not excuse the kind of attack dog journalism. I I, I saw too much of it last night as we were preparing for your interview today, so I'm just going to start there. Let's take a moment to clear up once and for all the misinformation that is out there about who... The super delegates are. Why this system was put into place and how the super delegates function. Let Let's just start there and get it all out. Okay, and I
8: appreciate the opportunity to, to clear it up. And also, I, I appreciate uh, your your concern. I do have the skin of an alligator by now. I can assure you. And frankly, what I've said throughout my entire tenure at, as uh, as chair of the DNC is that. If, you know, I have to take a few body blows in order to make sure that our candidates can stay above the fray and really be able to focus on their message. Then, oh, but it, it then has been be
1: so a, ugly this year. It's just well, ugly, it's, and it's it, the it it's has, the lowest but, form of journalism I've ever seen. It makes me just not even want to be in the business. Honestly, yeah, I'm, I'm ashamed. It's
8: definitely, it's definitely not pleasant. But, no, I'm, you know, I'm ashamed. We're, 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 I I, I I know that we have to focus on what the important priorities are, and that's for us and from our party's perspective, making sure that we are able to build on President Obama's legacy and the progress we've made. But to to your question about superdelegates, um, which are really called unpledged delegates, superdelegates are a media coined term, um, we have only about, we have about 15% of the total delegates, 4,383 delegates, that are unpledged delegates. There's 712 of them, and they are people like the Democratic members of Congress, our DNC members, the sitting Democratic governors, elected Democratic governors, uh, the living former DNC chairs, people like that who have been in the trenches and who have helped build this party and who fight for Democratic Party values every single day they have never since 19 since they were created in 1984 been determinative of our eventual party nominee and where we are today is that we have you know a dozen or so primaries left to uh, left to play out we have our two candidates who are you know both in both still in the race that's how that happened in 2008 as well and i and you know, expect that when we get to the end of the primaries the, the candidates will make an assessment about where they are and what they're and what they're going to do moving forward. But super delegates, um, to, to use that coined phrase, really are fully free to choose who they want to support at any point up until the Wednesday of the convention, which is when we we actually when delegates cast their votes for the nominee. And uh, and so that, that has always been a part of our process. But the overwhelming majority, 85%, are pledged delegates that are determined by the votes of the states. We don't have winner-take-all states in the Democratic Party. So each candidate has earned a proportional amount of delegates based on I- I- the statewide vote and – depending on the delegate selection plan in a state, the votes in a congressional delegation, and in some cases at the convention level, um, and in caucus states, it's handled differently. But each state has its own delegate selection plan, how they apportion the percentage of the delegates based on the vote. There are votes that are cast for our candidates.
1: So correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misunderstanding this. Unless Mr. Sanders is within 15% of a difference of the delegates, uh, the the fact that they're unpledged delegates doesn't matter, does it?
8: Well, the, the, again, the unpledged. I mean, if he's if he's eighty
1: five percent, if he if if he's within fifteen percent, it matters. But if he's not within fifteen percent, it doesn't matter, does it?
8: that 's one way of looking at it, and again, let me just Well, i 'm just trying to
1: make that. it easy for for me to understand it I mean no, if, if they 're <laughs> all pledged delegates and, and unpledged have until Wednesday before the convention if he 's not within fifteen percent then it doesn 't it doesn 't matter it 's moot he 'd have to get hundred percent of the fifteen percent
8: essentially that is that is how the math that is how the math shakes out um, that would be the case for either either one of the candidates and you know it 's not uh, appropriate for me to comment on the strategy or uh, or analyze the strategy of either of either candidate you know they sure they are both going through the the normal primary nominating contest we're managing that contest and trying to make sure that it's handled neutrally and fairly to both candidates and the unpledged delegates are making their decision some made it at the beginning of the process we still have unpledged delegates who have not decided uh, what, you know, what they're going to do and uh, and you know, that, that plos- process will pr- play out. In 2008, for example, we got to the end of the primary nominating process, the normal you know, votes that are cast, and then Senator Kil- Clinton decided to end her campaign. And so we had a presumptive nominee just after that period. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'll have to see what the, what where the candidates are and the decisions that they make. But in the meantime, as a party, you know, and as the DNC, we're getting ready uh, at the same time, alongside the playing out of our primary, to prepare for the general election, because we have a lot to do, and there's a, a a lot of state state work, state level work to be done, standing up coordinated campaigns, and that's what we're focused on side by side with managing our primary.
1: Now, there's some rumblings going on about a potential contested convention. Do you? I mean, where, from where you sit now, I know you don't have a crystal ball, uh, but from where you sit now, does it feel? In your gut, like it could go to a contested convention, or do you think this will pretty much be over? We're we're down to what is it, uh, twelve more primaries,
8: something like that? Yeah, I, I think we're at uh, twelve.
1: I mean, we're kind of at the uh, end game here. So, is it is it likely we'd go to con- a contested convention?
8: I mean, we're at the narrow end of the funnel, and I you know it's I don't have like you said I don't have a crystal ball, and so each candidate is gonna ha- it will make their own decision when we get to the end of the actual voting. Um, and there's a, you know there's a, a, a month or so after that point uh, where we have uh, some time before the convention, and so what ha- what happens during that time you know is is up to each candidate. Yeah. but we're going to look at that as an opportunity for us to unify, to make sure that we can continue to organize and prepare. For launching our our, our nominee to the, the into the fall campaign and to and to eventually the White House, um, but let me just make sure. I also want to focus on uh, this this term contested. Mm-hmm. No, we're not going to have a contested convention because <laughs> contested convention means that you are uncertain uh, that someone random out of the clear blue sky. Could swoop in, and you know, the, the, what the Republicans were facing for for a period of time was a contested convention. I mean, I, I, if
1: anything, well, they still may fa- face that.
8: Well, yeah. right, who, knows? Yeah, but, who I mean, knows? We have two can we have two candidates, and all that would all that would be happening here, if the both candidates stay in the race until the convention, is that our primary would be continuing, and the normal process would play out. The normal process is. The, pledged, the, the candidates would each have earned the pledged delegates based on their, their their vote across the states, and then the unpledged delegates would be making a decision which one of the two they would they wanted to support. That's that's the process. So there's nothing contested about it. Um, the, the only difference is that we wouldn't, if a, if one of the candidates doesn't get out before the convention, um, we wouldn't have a presumptive nominee. Uh, which is a, you know, just a tradition um, and gives us an opportunity to ramp up and gear up and really start to focus on planning um, in a coordinated way for the, gen- for the general election. But those are right. decisions that are going to be made by each candidate and their and their campaign teams and their supporters.
1: Right. And I, I guess what you're saying is, is that uh, if that decision is made before the convention, uh, there's just additional time to bring the party together. And if it isn't, the party exactly. will come Come together at the convention. Now we have to take a short intermission to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back with more from DNC Chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz. You're listening to the Costa Report. Every day our world gets more complicated, not only is new information coming at us faster than we can manage, new regulations, technology and the effects of globalization have made it much more difficult to succeed. That's why I wrote The Watchman's Rattle, a book that for the first time explains how complexity makes it hard to separate facts from fiction and eventually causes us to make important decisions based on unproven beliefs. And not just us, our leaders also fall prey to this phenomena. But here's the good news. Once you know the symptoms to watch for, you can safeguard against them. So please, go to RebeccaCosta.com, that's RebeccaCosta.com, and order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. It only takes a few minutes and the shipping is free. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Do it now, you'll be glad you did.
9: Big data is being generated by everything around us all the time. Every digital process and social media exchange produce it. Systems, sensors, and mobile devices transmit it. Big data is arriving from multiple sources with ever increasing velocity, volume, and variety. It's becoming the world's newest resource for competitive advantage allowing decision-making to move from the elite few to the empowered many. The escalating demand for insights requires a fundamentally new approach to architecture, tools, and practices. To extract meaningful value from big data, you need optimal processing power, analytics capabilities, and skills. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash big data today. That's www.ibm.com slash big data.
6: Hitch up your horse and buggy and trot on over to the Agricultural History Project on May 14th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. for Day on the Farm, located at the entrance to the Santa Cruz County Fairgrounds. We're celebrating the early 1900s and have fun for the whole family. Farm animals hay rides, tractor driving, and even a team of horses. Visit aghistoryproject.org for more information. We hope to see you
0: there. We've all heard the term baby boomer referring to those born from 1946 to 1964. There are an estimated 80 million baby boomers with the first wave hitting the Social Security and Medicare systems in recent years with more to follow. Many healthcare experts are predicting epidemics of Alzheimer's, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and cancer among this group. However, these impending epidemics can be averted as there is a new group emerging. This group we call the baby bloomers because despite their chronological age, they are still physically fit, active, working, and playing. They've heard Dr. Wallach's message regarding diet, lifestyle, and nutritional supplementation. So while many around them diminish in health and vitality, they are blossoming and blooming into vibrant, healthy, on-the-go people. Wouldn't you rather be a longevity baby bloomer? For more information or to order, call Andy or Phyllis Anderson at 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300. For 20 years, it was the Beach Flats Community Garden. Then the seaside company that owns the land and that allowed its use took it back, leaving the distraught Beach Flats community with little room to grow. This taking back, and the pain it caused leads us to ask... Who should own the community's garden? Jeremy Michael Olson, intern producer Sarah Rosai, and UCSC doctoral candidate Monica Eagerer for some What's Eating What environmental justice at the Beach Flats community garden. It's the food chain, Saturday, 9 a.m. on the big one, KSCO. What day was that?
1: Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And we have been trying to straighten out some of the misinformation that's been perpetuated by the media regarding uh, these pledged and unpledged delegates, uh, as well as the mythology of uh, some contested convention in June. Now, speaking of exaggerations, there has been a lot of hoopla made about uh, Saunders supporters who claim that given a Trump versus Clinton race, they will cast their vote for Trump. Just how real is that threat of defection and what will you do as chair to ensure that that doesn't happen?
8: Oh, well, I mean, I'll ask your, answer your last question first by saying that you know we are totally committed at the Democratic National Committee to doing everything we can to help make sure that we can unify after this primary is over. Um, but to, to be clear, the, uh, the the real chaos that it that is out there is on the Republican side, where you have the last two Republican nominees for president refusing to attend their convention and refusing to support their presumptive nominee and the last two republican presidents are also refusing to support the republican nominee so they have a mess on their hands the speaker today even after meeting with their with their presumptive nominee donald trump has still not said he would endorse him so i'm very confident like we came together in 2008 after a you know a tense uh, a tense and, and challenging democratic primary between sec- senator clinton and senator Obama, we came together, and yeah, there were people who said they would never vote for for Barack Obama that had supported Hillary Clinton, but we were very focused on making sure that we could minimize those people and win them over. I will tell you, I was part of the team you know, having supported Hillary Clinton throughout the whole primary that went out and spent time talking to, you know, Hillary Clinton supporters to win them over if they were a little resistant. So we not only do we come together, but Barack Obama was elected president of the United States, and he asked Senator Clinton to be his secretary of state. And so this primary has been actually less divisive. Uh, that, that primary w- was closer at this point, more more tense. And so I'm confident that because both of our candidates have specifically said they would support one another Uh, you know, if they were to be the nominee, and because uh, particularly Senator Sanders and Secretary Clinton have both said they will do everything they can to make sure Donald Trump is never elected president, I'm confident we're going to come together because we have our priorities straight and we have the American people's back and we know we want to build on the progress that we've made over the last seven years.
1: Well, a lot changes when the primaries are done and you're down to the Democratic nominee and the the GOP nominee. I I mean, at that point, you know, it's uh, whether you literally feel supportive of or feel a relationship with your party's nominee, just as many people vote because they don't want the alternative. You, you know, so, uh, you well, know, keep I, in I mean, mind, Rebecca, what's Rebecca
8: keep in mind, keep in mind that Donald Trump has massively alienated large groups of voters like Hispanics, like women
1: uh, that well let's talk obviously- about that let's let's talk about the 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 absolutely. women absolutely uh, because you know and in doing our research the last 5 presidential elections women have represented the single largest voting block in the country you cannot win an election in this country unless you win their support
8: no that's absolutely right and donald trump is the most misogynistic sexist r- repulsive offensive Candidate in modern times, particularly about related to his policies and his rhetoric towards women, and I, I mean, the, the Republicans after the 2012 election said if they didn't do something to address how many groups of voters they had alienated and made fe- to feel unwelcome in their party, women and Latinos and African-Americans, and that if they didn't embrace comprehensive immigration reform, that they- their autopsy specifically said they'd never win another presidential election. But here, well, but here's I, where
1: there's a little bit of a crack. Well, and let me ask you about this, because I have to ask you while I have you here. Sure, but what uh, I wanted to uh, just... Amongst millennials, that, yeah, uh, amongst <laughs> millennials, the younger women voters are saying... They don't care about gender, but they care about women's issues. So if Trump, right, if right. Trump's you know poor behavior toward women uh, is surpassed by him really pushing women's issues, he he may have a, f- a toe in the door. I won't say a whole foot. Oh, no. No, 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 you no, think no, Come Come no it pushing won't work.
8: It's <laughs> pushing it's pushing women's issues. Is suggesting that if a woman makes it makes a decision to terminate a pregnancy, a, a A legal and constitutional right that she has, and he would punish the woman. I mean, he can try to undo, backpedal, you know, twist himself into a pretzel on on what he actually meant. Um, He said it, and not only that, but he has said many other incredibly offensive things. I mean, back to when he said in in 2005 that you know his his spouse. Was going to have to take care of the kids, and he wasn't going to help at all. And I mean, mm-hmm. he, he is, he really is, in terms of policy, in terms of his personal attitude towards women. Look what he said about Megyn Kelly. Look what he said about countless numbers of women. He, he has already alienated women in this country, and I think that Republican, we have a real opportunity with Republican women voters who will either stay home. many of them, or they will come over and vote for Hillary Clinton. And then as far as millennials, absolutely. Millennials care much more and are focused much more on issues. Yes. what millennials care care about is making sure that we can protect the environment, making sure that we have equal pay for equal work, making sure that we can increase the minimum wage. And 40% of households with children are headed by a woman. So those are all issues that Donald Trump has opposed and would not only roll back the progress we've made, but make worse. And enabled by the Republican Congress, who have done everything they can to make life harder for women, not easier.
1: How concerned are you that he, nomin- he uh, appoints a female vice presidential uh, running mate who is very active on women's issues? Does that neutralize well, any of his I- conduct? I- or no, I, I
8: don't know. Right now, he's having trouble getting. <laughs> he can d- According to you, he, he can't party. dig out of that
4: hole. <laughs> no. The well, hole's I, too I mean, deep. He can't, even,
8: he can't even get the elected leaders and former nominees <laughs> no, of the party to I support hear, him. Yeah. It's going to be. I, I don't know how he finds a woman that identifies with the issues that are important to the majority of women in this country when it comes to the president. You know, the president's agenda that they want addressed to even agree to run with him. But, but you know, as you said not only millennials, but many women, are not going to just vote for a candidate because they chose a uh, you know, a, a woman vice, vice presidential running mate. It's the issues that matter to them. And I, I can't picture Donald Trump adding someone to the ticket who wouldn't toe the line and support everything that he espoused in his agenda and what he has espoused in his agenda has been patently offensive to women to African Americans, to Hispanics, to Asian Pacific Islanders, to the LGBT community, and then you could go down even more granular to Mexicans who he called rapists and drug dealers as far as immigra- immigrants to this country that he was going to ban an entire religion and now he's saying oh you know he he didn't mean it or he might have uh, you know he might not you know he might not do that you know
1: there's no question listen we we've all heard the comments and there's no question that uh, he is a uh, he is perfectly capable at a moment's notice of inserting both feet into his mouth uh, we, we we get all that but there's something about him <laughs> that you know he's, he's like the the kid that keeps acting out in class that you keep forgiving you know and, well, uh, I, and maybe I,
8: Republicans maybe Republicans keep forgiving him uh, when it comes to the broader uh, electorate when he's down the stretch in a general election um, you know, we're going to be ready for him because this this election will be close. Well, the, it's going to get, get very state.
1: serious, as you point out. Yes, once absolutely. the nominees are, are appointed, it starts getting serious, and all the fun That's and right. games and the the
8: Republicans might have laughed at him, laughed him off. We are not laughing him off. Yeah, and we are going to be prepared and are preparing to make sure that we have a fully operational general election campaign, coordinated campaigns in the battleground states, and frankly, we continue to out organize and out-mobilize the Republicans. We're ahead of them, as they even admitted themselves in the last election in our technology <laughs> yes, they and did. digital yeah. advantage. They've never caught up to us on that. They don't have a centralized voter file which they said they had to, to achieve in order to be able to effectively run the next presidential campaign. We have a stronger and deeper and more significant voter file than we had in any previous election. Well, I They're am ready.
1: afraid that is all the time that we've got today. But before we let you go, I want to thank you for your dedication and service and wish you a very successful convention. Thank you, Ms. Schultz. Thank
8: you so much, Rebecca. Great to be with you.
1: My guest next week is known as one of the most aggressive prosecuting attorneys in the country who you may recognize from the Jody Arias case. Juan Martinez will be here to explain why so many guilty criminals walk scot-free. Don't miss Prosecutor Juan Martinez right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for a second hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report.
4: Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Dole has a bounty of berries ripe for the picking. Fresh berries are not only delicious, but some of the most powerful disease-fighting foods available. Researchers have found that berries have some of the highest antioxidant levels of any fresh fruits. So add a handful or two of your favorite berries to your next meal and enjoy their nutritional benefits and natural sweetness in all of your dishes. From salads to desserts and everything in between. For fresh tips and ideas from Dole's berry experts, visit berries.dole.com. And be sure to check out the pages of mouthwatering recipes. Whether it's a sweet and savory blueberry cranberry chicken salad or a simple strawberry sorbet, Dole has the perfect berry to
9: inspire your next berrylicious dish. Greetings KSCO listeners, this is Randy the Realtor with another real estate fact. Did you know real estate can act as a savings account, a tax deduction, an investment, and give you a place to sleep at the same time? But don't neglect it. You need to pay attention to make it work for you and not against you. Whether it's plumbing and electrical, or making sure you have the right insurance coverage, take care of it. They won't maintain themselves. If you want more real estate facts, call me. If it's time to buy or sell a home, give me a call. 831 566 Twenty-five ninety.
7: This is Mitch Winnick, co-host of Wagner & Winnick on the Law. Stephen Wagner and I are pleased to announce the new program time for our weekly discussion of law and public policy. We pick legal topics that affect each one of us right out of the weekly headlines. Join us live every Saturday afternoon from 4 to 5 p.m. here on KSCO AM 1080. Remember, if you don't know the law... Know a lawyer.
0: Serving Northern California for over 65 years, this is KSCO Santa Cruz.